This is Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our weekend preview. Newcastle welcomes Southampton to St James's Park on Sunday and I'm joined by the Southern Daily Echo journalist Dan Sheldon. Dan, thank you very much for joining us. No worries at all. Um, we'll dive straight in. You're off to see the Southampton boss later today and I suspect after the last week, two good results, you'll be in a, in a positive mood. No, yes, definitely. I mean, it was really noticeable after the um, the Leicester game, just how sort of bereft he looked. He just lost complete confidence and then he obviously had the international break and then they've won the last two games and he just looks like a completely different man now. I mean, they look like a different team. He looks like he's got his mojo back. Um, I don't know if you can sort of see that from the way he's been celebrating and stuff. He seems definitely, he's definitely got his confidence back, that's for sure. I mean, against Watford, they had to um, they had to come from behind, which showed a, a good test of character. Against Norwich, they were a bit more in control. So, are we seeing two different types of Southampton? And, and when do you expect it to fully click? Is it going to be this Sunday, perhaps? Well, I mean, the Watford the Watford one was interesting because they weren't. I mean, Saints were poor. They were very poor against Watford, and then obviously uh, Danny Ying scored, and then obviously James Ward-Prowse scored that great free kick. Um, so that sort of papered over the cracks and then against what um, Norwich sorry they came out from the get-go and they were relentless like back to what they were like when he first went Ralph first joined the club and um, they were pressing high uh, they got obviously their, their couple of goals and then the second half showed a completely different side of Saints that we perhaps haven't seen where they dug in obviously Norwich got a goal back and then you're almost half expecting with the way the season's gone so far Saints to sort of crumble and concede another but that didn't happen they managed to stay compact. And okay, yeah, Norwich had a few chances, but then so did Saints. Um, and Ralph made a couple of subs, which, I mean, had uh, Norwich equalised, would have massively backfired because he brought on Romeo, who's obviously a defensive midfielder, and Yoshida. So that almost invited the pressure on. And that time, Saints were so deep. But like you said, I mean, the, if they can take the, the first half against Norwich and sort of replicate that over two, two halves, then that, that could be a good thing for this weekend. But whether they can do it or not, I'm not too sure. I mean, I've not seen much of Newcastle uh, and how they play. So would a sort of a high-press suit come into St. James's Park or not, really? Yeah, I mean, Newcastle just like the kind of play on the counter. So it, it's more interesting against the teams uh, kind of around them, obviously, rather than playing the likes of Man City, who we know are, are going to kind of bombard Newcastle. So it's always interesting to see how they do handle the likes of, say, Southampton, we saw um, kind of against Bournemouth as well. They were very much on, on the back foot. It's it's interesting there, you mentioned the Leicester game, obviously, horrendous results. And it, it's ironic because obviously Newcastle had a really bad result against Leicester as well. They were they were played off the park and conceded quite a few goals, not as many as Southampton. But it was the turning point for Newcastle and it seems to have been for Southampton as well. No, yeah, to be honest, I couldn't agree more. It's... It's almost interesting. You look at, I mean, the performance. I mean, I've never seen anything like it, and I've watched a fair amount of football games. The way they just completely gave up. I mean, after Ryan Bertrand got sent off, I mean, you know, the Leicester then scored again, and it got to the point where the players just weren't running anymore. They were just walking. Um, every time Leicester went forward, they scored. And then you're thinking about that, and you're thinking, oh, well, how the hell do they come back from here then? 
Um, but then I understand, my understanding is that, you know, the, the Saints board spoke to Ralph in the, in the aftermath. I'm like, look, we fully trust you. You're our guy. That obviously then gave him a bit of self-confidence. Obviously, his confidence took a battering against Leicester, but at least he still knew that he was going to be the man given the chance to sort of fix this. And then over the international break, they really just went back to basics. You know, they, you'd never look at a 9-0 defeat as a positive, but they, that was their chance then to think, right, let's cut all of this away. Let's start again. Almost as if when he joined a year ago, he had the same approach, same system, same everything. So they've used that to sort of like push them forward. And the players, they now go out on the pitch and they seem to know what they're doing. Whereas before, I mean, you'd have right backs playing at left back. And it, would just, it was a complete mess where perhaps Ralph was probably trying to be a little bit too clever. Um, but like I said uh, many times now, he's just literally stripped it back to basics. Um, as you, or you, it was probably all you can do after such a heavy defeat, I imagine, as well. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Southampton beat Newcastle on Sunday, which from our point of view, we hope they don't. But there'd be a point behind Newcastle. There'd be a point behind Arsenal. If Arsenal don't manage to win over the weekend. So it's, it's crazy how things can turn around that quickly and how tight this Premier League table is? No, I, I, must, I was driving into work this morning uh, and I completely agree. You're looking at the table and you're thinking, I think what Saint, and they're never going to get into the higher end of the table where they're only think, seven, eight, nine points away from fifth. And you think that how poorly they've played most of the season, it, it, it really is a crazy year or it seems to certainly be a crazy campaign this time round. Um, again, even you look at the team's Below Saints, they're still only a few wins away from getting themselves out of trouble as well. So it should be quite an interesting few weeks. I mean, people often ask me, oh, you know, will Saints have enough to sort of stay up? And my attitude at the moment is, it's asked me after the Aston Villa game, because obviously they've played after Arsenal, they had Watford, Norwich, Newcastle, West Ham and Villa. Now, all of those teams are in and around Saints in the table. And if they can get, a, I don't know, I get a point at St James's Park would be good, especially after what happened back in April. Um, and then go into that West Ham game, beat West Ham at home, and then you go to Villa and you're not too sure what sort of Villa side will turn up. And if they get some points out of these, and then really you're almost not thinking about relegation anymore, you're kind of thinking, OK, well, at least we can kind of solidify mid-table and end up around there somewhere. I mean, I don't know if that's the same for Newcastle. I know yeah, it's fascinating to read about Newcastle because they're always in the... Um, the press for the right or wrong reasons but what's the sort of attitude up there is is just avoid relegation or are you looking to push on under Steve Bruce I think I think the the hope is to obviously be a Premier League club next season I think getting the magic 40 point number is probably the the aim first and foremost but with it being so tight you know you like you say you you one or two wins from the top, from being comfortably inside the top 10 it's it's kind of just, I think, game by game, and then if you get to January and you're still within the mix of, you know, that top eight, you, you just hope that um, the good form that Newcastle have had of recent can continue. Um, on the Sunday, I mean, you mentioned there the high press. Can you just give our listeners a bit more insight into how Southampton will approach the game? Well, I mean, what they tend to do is they, and the thing for Saints is they, I'm sure you're probably aware their home form is really poor, but away from home they're they're pretty good because obviously they don't play with the pressure of the sort of never winning at St. Mary's on their shoulders. So, I mean, you'd expect Danny Ings to be leading the line who is, to be fair, he's absolutely relentless at that. You can see a couple of goals this season where he's charged down the goalkeeper, nicked off him and then put it in the net. And then obviously should a team sort of get break that press as such, then 
you've got a fairly, I wouldn't say a solid back four now, but a consistent back four that Ralph seems to be picking, who are starting to know their roles a little bit better. They're looking a bit more organised and more tight as well at the back. Um, but yeah, it will be, so it should be Ings will lead the line. Shane Long played against Norwich, whether he can hack two games in short succession, I'm not too sure. Um, and he's, again, he's just a, he just works like a dog, to be honest. He does not stop running, closing defenders down, closing midfielders down. And obviously behind them two, you've then got Redmond and Ward-Prowse. Now they're both in good form. You've got Jenipo as well. He's got full of energy. Um, so you can definitely expect an energetic performance on Saints' behalf. If, if I mean, if, any, if their last home game against Arsenal is anything to go by, then it should be quite an exciting game, to be fair. Newcastle, like I mentioned earlier in the show, like to really... Um, absorb the pressure and hit teams on the counter. So you've got the speed of Alan St. Maximum and Miguel Almiron. Um, uh, St. Maximum did leave the field last night um, against Sheffield United with ice. Um, he needed some ice on his ankle afterwards, so we'll hopefully um, see him fully fit for Sunday. But we'll, we'll go with the fact that those two are likely to play. Um, how will Southampton deal with Newcastle's speed on the counter? Well, that... I mean, I know I've just praised their defence, but that still is... I mean, it's not its not the best. They're better than what they were, but that's probably not a massive compliment, to be honest. Um, you've got Cedric at right-back, who's not slow. And then you've got Bednarek, who's probably their... Well, Bednarek and Bertrand are probably arguably their two best defenders at the moment. Um, Bednarek's pretty quick. Bertrand's not bad. Um, obviously, he's getting a little bit older now, but he's still got pace in his legs, to be fair. And then you've got Jack Stevens, who isn't too slow himself. So, I mean, in terms of keeping up with uh, those players you mentioned, it it may be a struggle. But then, you know, like I said, these players aren't slow either. So it would just depend. And Bednarek's quite good at reading the game. So if he works out fairly early on what Newcastle are doing, he might be able to get himself in the position more often than not that requires that, you know, they're not going to get caught out that often on the counter-attack. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. It's sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, the Northeast number one family-owned Toyota, Mazda and Suzuki dealership group. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcasts from. And in terms of like the one player in Newcastle really need to keep quiet, you've mentioned Danny Ings. There's he, the pick of the bunch. Yeah, he's in irresistible form at the moment. I think he's, I, think, I don't know if it's 8 and 10 or 9 and 10 or 9 and 11. Uh, goals in all competitions it's just every time I mean I spoke to him the other day when I sat down and did a piece of him and he's almost in that in that mentality now where he's going on the pitch and he knows if he gets half a chance he's going to score um, you, at some point you think the run's going to end but it just doesn't seem to look that way at the moment um, and obviously now he's being helped out by Ward Prowse who's chipping in with a few goals here and there that just seems that those two have struck up quite the relationship so that's good for the future but I mean in terms of things I mean the, the money they paid for him I mean I was fairly sceptical thinking I wonder if Ralph would have signed him had they not already committed to signing him last year when they took him on loan from Liverpool and he started the season out with the team because uh, Shea Adams was obviously given the nod after his uh, £15 million arrival in the summer but as you, you, you're well aware uh, goals are the main currency for strikers aren't they and, Ings can't stop scoring at the moment, so there's no way he's not going to be in the team. And I guess he's he's relishing the chance to play against Newcastle United defence, which arguably isn't even Steve Bruce's first choice, and yet it's it's looked fantastic. Obviously, without Lascelles or without Lejeune, without Fabian Cher, who would, for most people, be 
the first choice when it comes to that back three. And yet, you know, Fernandez has come in, Kieran Clark's come in, Paul Dummond's come in. And they're gaining lots of praise for being organised, for being strongly sought last night. Sheffield United absolutely threw the kitchen sink at them and the defence coped superbly. Never really looked like conceding other than two or three good saves from Dubravka. So it'll be a challenge for uh, Danny Ings, but I guess a good striker loves those sort of uh, challenges. No, exactly. And you've obviously got... Um someone like Genepo who plays down the wing who's a fairly you know he's proven to be quite a revelation since Joe coming into the Premier League I mean I'm surprised to see him settle so quickly he's got a couple of really important goals and he just loves taking players on um, you know he's taken on a fair few players since he's already arrived and then he gets a, a decent delivery into the box I think he set Danny Ings up against Watford uh, by taking a couple of players on and then just passed it across so yeah it's gonna it should be an interesting battle um, I'd certainly watch out for Genepo though because he is definitely making quite the impact and Saints fans are really taken to him as well So we've mentioned they're the player to watch out for but what is Southampton's best strength would you say? Mm, well, not not too much this season You'd, I'd almost say when they're on it and they're on the press and they are relentless and they've got the confidence, that is their biggest strength because then they are a nightmare for other teams because it's Ings will then Ings will lead it and then he'll go in and if he the ball goes around him, there'll be another player straight in the the opponent's face. So that is probably their biggest strength. And you know they've got players like Buffal coming off the bench, who again is uh, quite a tricky little player. Um, so up front is their biggest strength, to be honest. Uh, their midfield is okay. Um, but it's not the best, it's not the worst. Their defence is OK, it's not the best, it's not the worst. But up front, they do have a, a fair amount of options, to be fair to them. But, I mean, in terms of where will Newcastle, from your point of view, be looking to sort of target Saints, will it be? Where, where do you see their weaknesses? Well, that's that's the question. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I just think Newcastle's speed on the counter would be Newcastle's biggest strength. And it's whether the defence, we've seen Southampton concede a few goals this season obviously whether that defence is you know can, can handle St Maximum and, and Army one obviously Andy Cowell started against Sheffield United so it'll be interesting to see if he again starts on Sunday or whether it'll be back to Joe Linton and obviously regardless it's two strong strikers two big strikers to choose from there for Steve Bruce and either one will cause um, you know a bit, a bit of trouble for Southampton defence I mean from your point of view, is that the biggest weakness for Southampton? Is it the defence? Yeah, I'd certainly say so. I mean, they, like I said, I mean, they're, they're looking better. Now he's settled on a back four. They're getting more consistent. Obviously, the more they play with each other, the more they'll understand each other's games. Um, but, you know, it's still it's still early on and you're always watching them and you think, oh, do I trust them? When Norwich, I mean, that was such one of the crucial things where they held on against Norwich. When Norwich get the goal back, you're thinking oh, it's inevitable what's going to happen now, you know. There's going to be a defensive error or they're not going to be able to handle the pressure. But you may, it, it could turn out that seeing that game out is a real confidence booster for those defenders and they should use it as such as well because so many times they've let the lead slip from um, winning positions. So to actually see the game out under pressure at home in front of 28,000 fans, all expecting them and hoping them, to sort of win but also knowing that there's definitely a mistake in this defence so they should really use that going into the weekend as a as a confidence booster in my opinion You mentioned before you haven't seen a lot of Newcastle this season but from what you have 
scene? Is there anything that stands out for you in particular? Well, I mean, to be fair, the thing that I'm most fascinated by Newcastle at the moment is obviously Steve Bruce. Um, and obviously when he took the job, it was, you saw all the stories about, you know, he was 10th choice and uh, all that sort of thing. But he's always, in my opinion, has always been a fairly good manager. So the whole like narrative around him has probably stood out to me more than anything, to be honest, because he's obviously doing a, it was a tough job for him to come in and replace Benitez, who obviously had built up such a name for himself and to be honest from the outside looking in played such a perfect game with the Newcastle fans anyway um, I don't know if you'd agree with that or not but from what I see Bruce is you know he's a good manager and he's going to keep them up isn't he Fingers crossed uh, you know Steve Bruce and he, he said it yesterday again after the Sheffield United game was you know is there anything that's going to change people's mind his results and so far he's getting those results I think it's four points better off than they were under Rafa Benitez and it is a strange one um, it was going to be hard for anyone to come in and replace Rafa Benitez let alone um, Steve Bruce so you know he's, he's, he's got his head down we've, we've had some terrible results but we've had some really good results you know beating my United um, beating Spurs and, and drawing against Man City superb um, but it's it's these games against you know no disrespect to Southampton but these games against the, the lesser teams the teams that are battling for relegation, battling for survival, sorry, like Newcastle, that Newcastle need to be a bit more consistent against, obviously, Newcastle drew against Brighton, the drew uh, against Watford, which at home isn't brilliant. Of course, they weren't beaten um, at home since the opening day of the season, um, the 1-0 defeat to Arsenal, which is which is brilliant, but they've got to start beating these teams around them to ensure that it's a much more comfortable 2000 and uh well, 2020, second half to the end of the season. Um, what's the view of Newcastle down, you know, in Southampton and from the Southampton camp? Is this a game that they're looking at and thinking, right, there's three points here? No, I think there's certainly a, a respect to you know, Newcastle. It's a fantastic stadium, a fantastic fans, and a good team. I mean, like I said, they went there in April and they lost 3-1, I think, if I remember off the top of my head. Um, you know, I think there's almost if Saints can go there and get a draw that would be seen as a good result to be honest in my opinion and speaking to a few fans as well I mean that you're not going to go to Newcastle and completely turn them over are you um, unless you are one of those top teams you mentioned but even then they've not done too badly against them so yeah if Saints can get there get a draw and then go into next weekend's game against West Ham at home and look to win that one I think fans would be pretty happy with that anything other than you know, a defeat's never nice, but if it's only a narrow defeat or a 1-0 or a 2-1, then, you know, it's fair enough you're playing a good team away from home. Uh, but if it's something like, you know, 3-0 or a 4-0, then, yeah, it would be back to disaster, I imagine. Mm, but in terms of one of the things I wanted to um, get like, your perspective on is obviously how much of a miss is Perez, because he, he loves scoring against Saints. He obviously scored, I think it was a hat-trick in that 3-1, and then another hat-trick when he when Leicester beat them 9-0. So has he been a massive miss or is he someone that, you know, you're not really realised he's gone? From my point of view, yeah, I think he's been a huge miss. He was one of those that was a bit like Marmite for fans. You know, they loved him or they hated him. He was very inconsistent in the first half of the season. It wasn't really until you kind of got to the new year where suddenly you would spark up and he would start scoring goals. Um, But he, you know, in many ways, he perfect for four Southampton team because he was just always nipping at the ankles he was pressing and he played a huge part in in I think Salmon Rondon 
um, getting as many goals as he did last season. And Newcastle ultimately surviving last season was down largely down to Perez because he started scoring goals. And I think his energy and work rate um, hasn't been missed simply because the energy and work rate is kind of embedded into the side anyway. That the players are largely the same, and those that have come in like Alan St. Maxman and. Uh, Almiron even you know, they've got that work rate it's 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 probably just the goals obviously the front three within Joe Linton and Almiron and St Maxim haven't yet really got on, on on top of getting the ball in the back of the net obviously St Maxim got the header yesterday against Sheffield United but Prez chipped in with a lot of goals you know and he I think he has been missing I think Bruce would have liked to have him in his side but you know when a big team like Leicester come calling and they, they, they meet the the release clause, you know, you can't stand standing presses away, I guess. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I say, he was absolutely electric when uh, Leicester last came and he was electric when Newcastle played Saints uh, last season as well. So he's a player I like watching. So I was just trying to get an idea of, you know, how much he's missed and stuff. But yeah, like you say, he's, he's a quality player, isn't he? So you're going to miss him regardless. Oh, definitely. I think Newcastle fans are just happy that Matt Letizia is no longer in a Southampton shirt. <laughs> I think those uh, of our listeners that are old enough, and I certainly am, will remember Matt Letizia seemingly scoring impossible goals against Newcastle, <laughs> um, which yeah, I don't think I don't think many of us will ever get over. Um, <laughs> but in terms then of a score prediction for Sunday, I always ask our guests on the show how they think the game is going to go. Um, are you confident that Southampton can? get a win or is it a draw for you or how, how are you feeling uh, I think with a I'm going to say I, I think I could see them getting a draw I think it'll be a tough ask for them to go there and win um, but I think a draw would be a really good result um, but then I could like I think they're even going to draw the game or lose the game to be honest I, I can't see them going there and winning unless they get an early goal and you know keep the keep the crowd quiet um so yeah, I think a score draw, perhaps, I think is what I'd probably go for, a one or a two-all. Fantastic. Well, this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thanks to you, Dan, for joining us. And you can head over to Chronicle Live to keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including all the build-up to Sunday's game and all the reaction to that fantastic win down at Bramall Lane.